Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Well, we're going to be covering uh, quite a few different uh, scriptures here this morning. And uh, so I don't have really a particular scripture uh, for us to necessarily look at. Um, but uh, we'll be kind of going over quite a few different ones here. But uh, for the month of December, uh, we wanted to talk about this idea of uh, what Scripture teaches us about some confessional things, um, things that we as believers in Christ should be confessing and things that I believe are, are really important for us to confess as, uh, as believers. And so we're going to look at four different statements over the next uh, four weeks. Um, and basically, I think all of these statements will help us grasp what the important things are as believers, right? Like, I think many times as believers, we can get so sidetracked on what's important and what's not important. And sometimes we focus more on the non-important things than we do the important things. And uh, so... This morning here, we're going to look at um, this confessional statement of believing in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, and we've been learning that song here also for uh, the month of December, uh, I believe in the name of Christ, you know, uh, all those things. And so all this kind of really ties in really well. But uh, a couple things that I think we need to consider is, is not only, when we look at this, not only what it, what it means to believe, but primarily, what does it mean to believe in the name of Jesus Christ? I think that's, that's real important. So we're going to kind of talk a little bit about that. And, and why, really, why that name, right? Like, why not like Jerry or Frank or Sam, right? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why the name of Jesus, right? Why, why do we have the name of Jesus? I think those are some interesting things to talk about as well. And really, what is it about that name? What, what does that name mean to us who know him and those that don't know him, right? And so that's what we're going to kind of uh, look at here, some of these things. But this is what I want you to take away with you today. Make sure that your faith is in Jesus Christ for this life and for eternity. Make sure that your faith is in Jesus Christ for this life and for eternity. So let's take note here uh, a couple things. Number, first of all, the name of Jesus Christ is everything we need. The name of Jesus Christ is everything that we need. Have you ever thought about the names we are given when we are born? Now, there are some strange names out there. I think Elon Musk named his kid like X32 or something like that. It's a really weird name, right? Um, but all of us have names, right? And chances are that name that your parents gave you had meaning. It had significance to it. I mean, have you ever wondered why the name like Mortimer has fallen out of favor, you know, with society today, right? Hopefully nobody has a kid named Mortimer, right? Or a brother or sister, Kept that one. Never mind. Anyways, um, so names, they, they have significance. Um, people know us by our names. In cities all over 
Uh, you can sometimes see street names that are named after certain people, their last name. Uh, in Albuquerque there where I grew up, there was a man by the name of Del Bellama who was built a lot of houses. And I remember even on our sidewalk out there, they would stamp the sidewalk, Bellama Homes. And he named certain street names after his own children and even his wife. Um, so it's kind of interesting that you sometimes see that. Uh, if you give donations to certain charities, uh, they will engrave your name in a brick or on a plaque. Uh, names sometimes mean things. When we see a person's name, if we know them or knew them, we can recall who that person is or even was. On the headstone of Mel Blank, the man who did all the voices for the Looney Tune uh, characters, man known of being able to do a thousand voices, you know what's engraved on his headstone? That's all, folks. Uh, for those who you remember, the TV host Merv Griffin, his headstone says, I will not be right back after this message. John Denby, who was a dentist born in 1870 and passed away in 1927, his tombstone was inscribed with the phrase, I am filling my last cavity. I mean, it was strange, right? If you travel to Tombstone, Arizona, you'll find a real tombstone in, in Boot Hill Cemetery there with the inscription, here lies Lester Moore, four slugs from a 44, no less, no more. In Rio Doso, New Mexico, you can find the grave marker of a man named John Yeast, and his inscription reads, pardon me for not rising. So sometimes we have names, and, and, and those names, they, they have significance, they, they mean things. People ascribe certain things to them. But when you hear the name Jesus, what comes to your mind? There are some who really excel that, uh, that name out as a curse word, but then there are others who breathe that name out in prayer, don't we? The Son of God was given a name. His name is Jesus. Did you know that in the Gospels, that the Son of God is called by that particular name, Jesus, over five hundred times. And the name Jesus appears a total of 1,276 times alone in the New Testament. And even though our Lord was born in obscurity over 2,000 years ago and died like a criminal at the age of 33, even though he had only ministered three years and though that ministry was in a relatively secluded part of this planet, do you realize that in spite of all this, his name is still the most well-known name in all of history? You can go into any library around the world and find walls filled with books written about Jesus. Jesus' face and name have been on the cover of Life and Time and Newsweek and National Geographic more than any other person. Emperors have tried to destroy his name. Philosophies have tried to erase his name. Tyrants have tried to wash it from the face of the earth by the blood of the many people that served Christ. And yet the name of Jesus still stands. Napoleon, who was a great general and commander of the French army, said this, I search in vain in history to find the similar to Jesus Christ or anything which can approach the gospel. Nations pass away, thrones crumble, but the church of Jesus 
remains. So what is so special about the name of Jesus Christ? Christ is identified by so many different names all throughout Scripture. And it's in those names that we see that Christ is everything that we need. Let me just give you a few things to think about. First of all, the name Jesus, Yeshua, or Joshua, means the Lord saves. We see that in Matthew 1, 21 through 23. When the father decided to send his son to be clothed in human flesh, he did not leave the naming up to Joseph and Mary. He specifically told him, you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so we find that God exercised his privilege as a parent and chose a name for his son. He even sent the angel of the Lord in a dream to make sure Mary and Joseph gave him the name that he had selected. We read as the angel tells Joseph in the dream there, he says that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now think about that statement, God with us. God, who is the only Savior, dwelt with his creation. In our likeness, yet without sin. He identified with us. He himself faced all the difficulties that we ourselves face, such as rejection, betrayal, pain, heartache, humiliation, and even death. Jesus identified with us in all of that. He dwelt with us, God with us. Here's the second thing. Jesus' name is revealed with divine names that tell us about his person and work. Nine different times the name God is used with reference to Jesus. John's gospel identifies Jesus as the word of God with God himself in John chapter 1, 1. Indeed, as also as the only begotten God in John 1, 18. At the end of John, uh, Thomas confesses to Jesus, he says this, My Lord and my God. In John chapter 20, verse 28. In the book of Acts, Paul speaks of the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. The letters of the New Testament also refer to Jesus as God a number of times. Christ is God blessed forever in Romans chapter 9, verse 5. Our great God and Savior, Titus 2, 13. Our God and Savior, 2 Peter 1, 1. And the true God and eternal life in 1 John 5, 20. The book of Hebrews cites Psalm 45, verses 7 through 8, and applies it to Jesus by saying, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 8. We also see that Jesus is identified as Yahweh. Yahweh, which is really rendered as Lord throughout the New Testament. We hear the phrase, Jesus is Lord, but why do we say that? No, because we want to copy everybody else so we don't look stupid, right? No. Jesus is Lord. Why do we say Jesus is Lord? Is he Lord? Is he your Lord? And many times throughout all of Scripture, we see that, God, that Jesus is identified as Lord. Jesus is Lord. 
The authors of the New Testament use this name as the divine title for, for Jesus. Throughout the New Testament, you will often see the name Lord combined with the name Jesus. Here's another thing. Jesus is identified as the Son of God, the only begotten Son. That name Son of God is really an interesting one. One thing you have to remember when reading through the Scripture, everything that you see, okay, especially in the Old Testament, when you read through Scripture, everything you see in the Old Testament is always a picture, it's always a shadow, it's always pointing to what will be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so I want you to think about this. For example, the tabernacle, the ark, the mercy seat, the great high priest, all of those things are represented for us in heaven in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's interesting about this. Even the nation of Israel is defined by God as being the firstborn son of God. When he redeems his people out of Israel in Exodus 4, 22 through 23, God says, you are my son. I'm, I'm redeeming you. And what do we see later on fulfilled in who Jesus is, right? Jesus is the true representation of the son of God. In Matthew's gospel, he identifies Jesus as the true Israel by quoting Hosea 11.1. 1. In Matthew 2.13-15, he says, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Who was in Egypt? Jesus was. And he even called out his son out of Egypt back there in Exodus, right? So we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these things. And so by taking Israel's title and applying it to Jesus, he explains how Jesus is God's son. He's also identified as the only begotten God or the only begotten son. Think about that, to be begotten from God. What does that mean, to be begotten from God? It means he is the one and only, the only one. He is the eternal son of the eternal father. Jesus was not created by the Father as what Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses teach, right? He is not a creation of God, right? He is the eternal Son. He's always existed, but he is begotten from God. He is the one and only. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 teach us that Jesus is the definitive revelation and the exact ref, uh, reflection of the Father's nature, Jesus said in John 14, 9, the one who has seen the, seen the Son has seen the Father. We also see that Jesus is identified as the Son of Man. Jesus gives himself this title often throughout Scripture to point to his humanity. But Jesus is not just human, but also divine. He's not a 50-50 mix like antifreeze, right? Okay, he's 100% he's man, and he's 100% God. He's divine. And Jesus identifies himself as being the son of man. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus associates himself with Isaiah's suffering servant, found in Isaiah 53, when he says, For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We also see that Jesus is associated with the title Christ. He is the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name, 
Okay? It's a title. It means that he is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. In the Old Testament, this was a title given to King David, which again is a type or a shadow of Christ who would be fulfilled, right? That Jesus himself will sit on the throne of David. That's coming, right? When Christ returns, he will fulfill that. And so Christ is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. And this title of anointed one was a practice of anointing a person's head with oil and was always practiced for three offices in the Old Testament. Can anybody guess what those were? Prophet, priest, and king. And Jesus himself has been anointed as prophet, priest, and king. He is Christ. He is the anointed one. Jesus also made many statements of who he is. If you can recall all these great I am statements that Jesus made, he said, I am the bread of life in John 6, 35, uh, verse 48, verse 51. He says, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12, and verse, uh, nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 5. He says, I am the gate for the sheep in John chapter 10, verse number 7, and verse number 9. He says, I am the good shepherd in John chapter 10, verse number 11, and verse number 14. He says, I am the resurrection and life in John chapter 11, verse 25. He calls himself the way, the truth, and the life in John chapter 14, verse number 6. And he also calls himself the true vine in John chapter 15, verse number 1. All of these things have roots in the Old Testament. And again, things that we find in the Old Testament is always fulfilled in who Jesus is in the New Testament. Jesus is everything that we need. And so when we talk about Jesus' name, his name is everything that we need. All of these statements give us an in-depth picture of who Jesus is and what his mission really is for humanity. He is bread for the hungry, light for those in darkness. He is the gate and the shepherd for the wayward sheep. He's the resurrection and the life for those who will die. He is the way, the truth, and the life for those seeking truth and a way to the Father and the vine that gives life to the branches. We also find that Old Testament and New Testament writers give several statements of who Jesus is. Now, this is not a complete list. Okay? So if I miss one, don't be like, ah, but you well, there's a lot. But let me just give you a few here that I think would be important for us to remember some of these statements about who, what the New Testament and the Old Testament writers say who Jesus is. We find that Jesus is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace in Isaiah 9.6. We find that Jesus is the redeemer in Isaiah 9.6. We find that Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world in John chapter 1, verse 29 and 36. He is the last Adam who brings righteousness and resurrection, life where the first Adam brought sin and death in Romans 5, 15 through 19, 1 Corinthians 15, 45. He is the image of God, not only in terms of his true humanity, but also as the one who eternally reflects the Father's nature in 1 Corinthians 11. <laughs> Also in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Colossians 1.15, Colossians 3.10, Ephesians 4.24. 24. 
He is the mediator between God and man in 1 Timothy 2.5. He is the Savior who rescues His people from sin and death in Luke chapter 2, verse number 11. John chapter 4, verse 42. Acts 5.31. Acts 13.23. Ephesians 5.23. 2 Peter 1.1. 2 Peter 1.11. 1 John 4.14. He is the living stone in 1 Peter 2, 4 through 8. He is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth in Revelation 1, 5. He is the first and the last in Revelation 1, 17 and Revelation 22, 13. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, and the lamb who was slain in Revelation 5, verses 5 through 6. He is the rider on a white horse coming again to judge and to save in Revelation 19. This is who Jesus is. This is his name of what, how scripture really reveals to us who Jesus is. The name of Jesus Christ truly contains everything that we need. Christ is eternal. His words are eternal. This earth, this life, your life, it's all passing away. Christ is our only sure foundation for our lives. Do you find everything you need in Christ? Or are we always looking somewhere else? Christ is everything that we need. This is how Jesus reveals himself through his name. I believe a very crucial question now arises then. If this is who Jesus is, then what does it mean to actually believe on his name? To believe in the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, we confess that, right? I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe who Jesus is. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Well, let's wrap all of this up. I have one more point very quickly. Secondly, to believe in the name of Jesus means to accept Jesus as he is revealed in Scripture. Nothing more, nothing less. Exactly how he's revealed in Scripture. Think about that word believe or belief. We all believe certain things. Sometimes we believe things that aren't true. Many times we are deceived. I think we all saw that play out in the lies and deception that ran rampant in 2020, didn't we? Fooled and deceived, right? Do you believe in the name of Jesus just as he is revealed in Scripture? Or do you believe in a different Jesus? Many people believe in a Jesus that cannot save. They fabricate a different Jesus from the one that is revealed in Scripture. Their Jesus is okay with certain sins and wouldn't speak truth about certain things or command you to repent. Their Jesus downplays his lordship, often focused more on his humanity than how he is revealed in Scripture. The Jesus that is revealed to us in Scripture is true. Everything he did and said is true, but this belief is more than just believing facts and historical records. Belief in the name of Jesus means we are trusting in the finished work of the risen Christ on the cross. Look at what John says in 1 John 5.13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. John also wrote a very compelling statement about Jesus. 
and believing in the name of Jesus in John chapter 20, verse uh, 31. He says, but these are written who Jesus is and what he did so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The name of Jesus has great power. Tremendous power. Now, the power is not by chanting the name of Jesus. The name is not a magic wand. It's not a, you know, a magic word, right? The power lies in the person of Jesus. And so when we talk about our belief in Jesus, believing in the name of Jesus... Are we just trusting in what has been said about Jesus, what he does, what he has done? Or are we trusting in the person and the work of Jesus? I think that's so important. The power is in Jesus Christ. He alone is God who took on flesh, lived a perfect life. He was arrested, crucified on a cross, not to be a martyr, but was sent to be the sacrifice for our sins. God the Father judged his son for your sins and mine and was put to death and then three days later resurrected himself from the grave. The saving, healing, protecting, justifying, redeeming power of God resides in the person of Christ and Jesus is his name. Believing on the name of Jesus is so important that your eternal destiny really hinges on it. Notice Jesus' statement about himself. Look what he says in John 3, 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. But the wrath of God abides, not will abide, but abides currently on him. There's really two and only options here. Believe in Jesus and have eternal life. Or do not obey Jesus and be under God's perpetual wrath. Both options really are present realities. And so for those that believe on Jesus, they presently have eternal life. Those that do not obey the Son presently are under the wrath of God, presently. And as Jesus even tells us, if we die in the state that we are in right now, that is the continued state that we will stay in. There's no resets, there's no second chances, That's the way it is. He said in Matthew 25, verse 46, and these will depart into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. It's interesting the words Jesus chose to say in John 3, 36. Take a look at them here. We might have expected Jesus to say, whoever believes in Christ has eternal life, but the one who doesn't believe is under God's judgment. But instead he uses a different word here saying, he who does not obey the Son will not see life. Why does he say it that way? Two reasons. 
First, not to believe in Jesus is to disobey God. He has commanded all of us to repent and to believe. And so to not believe in Jesus is to disobey God. Second, genuine saving faith is obedient faith. Whereas false faith claims to believe, but denies that that claim by disobedience. Jesus' words ring true here from Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Luke chapter 6, 46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Paul writes in Titus 1.16, They profess to know God, but with their deeds they deny him, since they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good deed. And so our eternal destiny hangs on our belief in Jesus. It's so important. Romans 10.13 is a great reminder that any who call on his name in faith can receive forgiveness of sins and salvation for all of eternity. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm greatly concerned that there are people here in this fellowship that you believe all the right things about Jesus. You believe everything about who Jesus is, what Jesus done, what Jesus says, you believe all the right things. And I want you to believe in the name of Jesus for the right reason. And that is believing in who he is, how he has revealed himself in Scripture, and believing and trusting in Jesus as what he says. Is our confession, our belief in Jesus, because of who Jesus is, your eternal destiny really hinges on believing in him. I close with this great quote from J.C. Ryle. We can never make too much of Christ. We can never have too high thoughts about Christ, can never love him too much, trust him too implicitly, lay too much weight upon him, and speak too highly in his praise. He is worthy of all the honor that we can give him. He will be all in heaven. Let us see to it that he is all in our hearts on earth. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.